Welcome to The Follow-Up, a podcast by Coram Deo Church. In this podcast, we break down the truths of Sunday's sermon and make it applicable for everyday life. Welcome to The Follow-Up, everyone. My name is Billy Glosson. I'm the lead pastor of Coram Deo Church. We are excited to uh, dive into this week. We dealt with a pretty hefty passage last week, and so we're going to look at it today. We're in Mark 12, uh, looking at the first 12 verses of Mark chapter 12. So let's read it, and then we'll dialogue a little bit about it. This is the parable of the tenants. And he, Jesus, began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the winepress and built a tower and leased it to the tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and him they killed. And so with many others, some they beat and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them saying, they will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left him and went away. Today on the podcast, we have Josh Matica. Hello. We have Jen James. Hey. And Michael Tooley. Yep. So uh, it is exciting to have you guys here with me. This was a pretty hefty passage. This is a pretty heavy sermon this past week. So we looked at this parable that Jesus gives, issues this pretty harsh challenge to the Pharisees who are questioning his authority. And what we talked about was that this poses a pretty challenging question to you and I as well. And it's this. In your life... Jesus is either a stumbling block or the cornerstone. And so we talked about kind of the context of the passage, why it was such a big deal, that it points back to Isaiah 5 and God's kind of challenge to Israel then as being a vineyard that didn't produce the fruit it should have. Instead of producing righteousness, it it produced bloodshed, and, and God was angry. And so Jesus is using a metaphor that Israel is very familiar with to try and get their attention. But we talked about how this isn't just a metaphor for Israel, but it's also a metaphor for you and I, and how we too can often fail in the way that we should live up to God's standards, what God has called us to. And so the three kind of areas we took from Alistair Begg, or that I took from Alistair Begg, are that we are guilty and that we abuse privilege, despise generosity, and shirk responsibility. So as we think about those three things, that that really kind of helps us grasp this parable a little bit more, but also deal with how do we apply it? How do we take it from here? So Jen, when you think about this idea of the parable of the talents and how we abuse privilege, what comes to your mind? Well, I think about sometimes it's easy when we hear these stories about Israel to be like, yeah, but I mean, Israel, those people are just crazy, right? They didn't understand the situation that they were in. The Messiah is walking around and they're missing it. But when we look at our own lives, if you read Hebrews, uh, 
Hebrews talks about how there's this great cloud of witnesses, all of these people that we read about in the Bible, and they all lived this life in faith waiting for the gift that we have in Jesus. And so if you're like me and you're tempted to read this passage and be like, man, the Pharisees were talking to Jesus and they missed it. Uh, I mean, man, you have to look at your own life and think I have been extended like the gifts of grace and the Holy Spirit that were waited for for all of human history. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's really easy for us to say, well, if I had, you know, this, if I had had this other spiritual experience or if I had a different church experience or if someone had just taught me better or, you know, if I had what this other person had, well, then, you know, I would I would be a better Christian, too. I would obey better, too. Um, or sometimes we even think of it, you know, materially like, yeah, well, if I had what this person's been given by God, God's been generous to them. Um, and I don't have anything, but we have everything in Christ. And so I think that's, it's easy to fall into that trap and to be like, if I was in this situation, this isn't how I would behave. Um, but I don't have the things that I need, but like friend, you do have the things that you need because we have the Holy spirit. We have the gift that like humanity has been groaning for since the fall. So, you know, how do we stop that? I think the answer is similar to the, you know, answer found in Hebrews 12. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus. And it's easy to say that, but I think it's even sitting and looking at our own lives and thinking about, let's look at all the places where Jesus has like healed and helped me. Let me look back at my life and look back at those places where I can say confidently, like God was near to me here. And I don't need to get where Josh is. I don't need to get where Michael is. I don't need to get where Billy is. I need to get where Jesus is taking me. Mm, Um, And, you know, that privilege is that I am able to have that Holy Spirit and have that relationship with Jesus that makes that possible. That's really good. Um, So we also talked about the idea that we have often despised generosity. So, Michael, what does that look like to despise generosity? And how can we stop it? Um. Despising generosity is, I mean, piggybacking on what Jen was just saying, like we've been given everything and we go so far, like, I don't know, in my own life, it manifests in moments of gratitude followed by just seasons of entitlement. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to bring something to the table. I want to help God with my salvation, my sanctification in First Peter, it says, um, according to his mercy, he's caused you to be born again. It's nothing that we've done. And so despising generosity is just like looking at the abundance of God's grace and we cheapen it. Um, and I, it also kind of, I don't even know if this is like on point or not, but it, it harkens to mind just the anger that Jonah experienced when he saw God's grace bestowed on others. And I think we as the church and even in our personal lives can have that same kind of hatred for, for our neighbors. Um, so I think, yeah, I think the opposite, you know, to, to not despise generosity is to, it requires taking pause and, and uh, like the Psalm says, like uh, count the many ways that God has blessed us. Um, count the ways that he has been generous to us. Um, and just even asking God for a soft heart, because I think that's the other big thing that takes place is our, our heart just gets hard and we are consumed with what we don't have, you know? 
Um, and so I just think, yeah, I think it, it cultivates a hard heart. And so just taking pause, knowing who God is, um, abiding with him, getting into the word, you know, it's some, some of it sounds basic, you know, but that's the lie of the enemy is that, well, that's just basic. You need something profound. And it's like, you know, there's, there's apps that read the Bible to us, mm-hmm. you know? So like we live in a very accessible time. Uh, to to get into the presence of God. Yeah, I um, we had a meeting last night. We were talking about the profoundness of the gospel, and one of the things that we often forget is that we're people in need. And when we lose sight of that, right, we become. We talked about the uh, the parable of the prodigal son. We we become older brothers, right? He is the definition of someone who despises generosity. He sees the father pour out his love and mercy on the younger brother. And he's like, what, what's happening here? You know, you haven't even killed a goat for me and you're slaughtering the fattened calf for him. It, it, it kind of puts us in a place where we, we just truly don't see that we too are broken and weak and in need. And then one of the questions I asked them uh, last night when we were having this meeting was why do we often give advice instead of giving people Jesus, giving them the gospel? And Becca Norris gave a really good answer she said, because I want the answer to come from my brain, not from God. And I was like, man, that's some really harsh, like true, like good self-awareness that we often want to have those like profound answers. Yeah, We want to be the one that doesn't need the generosity. And so often we despise it. And yeah, man, I think you're, you're right on the money for that. So we've talked about abusing privilege. We've talked about despising generosity. And then the, the last kind of point we made was shirking responsibility. So Josh... What is that, and how can we stop? Well, shirking responsibility is is so difficult to grapple with, just that concept, because it, it's all of us are prone to just immediately turning the response of who God is toward us, this, this incredible generosity that Jen and Michael just talked about that he has just lavished on us and saying, okay, so how do I respond to that? How do I be good enough to like earn more of that? Or, or how do I respond properly to that? And it can very quickly turn into works righteousness with us. But we know by reading scripture that that, you know, that's not the case. Us becoming more like Jesus is not by our own efforts. It's not us earning our salvation, but instead it is an outpouring of the work the spirit is doing on our regenerate hearts. Right? So our responsibility then becomes to walk in faith and to trust that, you know, the spirit is making us more like Jesus. Uh, I think of a few places in the Bible that just kind of break that down very simply. I mean, in Ephesians 4, Paul says, um, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, in gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Uh, Micah 6 talks about uh, what does the Lord require of you? He has told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Um, it's, it's really just leaning into the fact that God is doing the work. And so shirking responsibility, I think, in terms of the everyday life, like the everyday stuff that we go through is just being humble, like responding the way that God has responded to us. And in this passage, we see the 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 owner of this vineyard is basically just being being despised by his tenants this entire time. He's sending his servants. He's sending people to get what is his, and they're responding in just violence and and harshness and you know he owns the land he could have come and killed them and thrown them out early on but he responds with kindness he responds with he responds with gentleness he even responds 
after so many responses by sending his own son because he's like, well, they'll respond to this. They'll hear my kindness in this. I'm sending someone that is within my family. And we shirk our responsibility by just constantly trying to seek power in different, I don't know, interactions that we have. We, we try to get a leg up on one another. We're trying to think of, you know, what are the best ways that I can, I can kind of get over on someone and I can, and and I can earn my way to the top, uh, whether that is at work, like, you know, putting someone under the bus at work or being at home. If you're fighting with your spouse or, or fighting with your roommate and you're just like, man, how can I get a leg up in this so that I'm the one that feels good? But like, that's not what the Bible calls us to, right? The Bible calls us to walk humbly, to, to love mercy, to love justice. And that can seem really heady and, and not very applicable, but it, it, it does come down to every situation that we find ourselves in. We have the opportunity to respond like Christ and not to respond in violence and in sin like these people did. Yeah, I think these are all really hard words, right? The reality is each of us, if we're honest and we look at this parable of the tenants, we see that God extends overwhelming patience. And the call for each of us is that we would respond to that that his kindness, his patience would lead us to repentance. And so I shared this quote on Sunday from Spurgeon, and I think it's so good. Charles Spurgeon says, if you reject him, he answers you with tears. If you wound him, he bleeds out cleansing. If you kill him, he dies to redeem. If you bury him, he rises again to bring resurrection. Jesus is love made manifest. The call is that we should look to Jesus right? So this idea that Christ has become the cornerstone, that the stones were often like being assembled. I I use this metaphor of like the idea that you see builders building a stone building and they throw a stone to the side and ignore it. And then finally they get to the end, they need a stone to place in like the capstone, the cornerstone. And there's this stone that they've thrown aside that's been rejected over and over again. And it ends up being the cornerstone. In your life, there's a lot of things that we can build our lives on. There's a lot of things that we can put our hope into, but only one thing truly holds the structure together, and that's Christ. So if we're not putting our lives around Christ, if we're not trusting in Jesus, then friend, we're building our lives on shaky ground. We're building our lives on sand that will sink and crash and fall. And so my hope is that this sermon and even this conversation would challenge you to repent Um, in areas in which you've been trusting in other things over and above Jesus, in ways that you have ignored the privileges of God, that you have the written word of God, access to amazing resources, that you have despised generosity. You've not considered the fact that Christ has pursued you and loved you and shown patience to you, and you're not showing patience and grace to others. And finally, that you're shirking the responsibility, the call to the kingdom to look like Jesus, to walk in his stead, would we all repent, right? Would we all see Jesus? Man, would we all be more like him and less like ourselves? Um, as we come to a close, we always want to recommend good resources. And so one resource that we have available on the table is J.I. Packer's Knowing God. That was Jen's pick. Um, so if it's too dense for you, you can get mad at Jen. I'm kidding. It's a great, great, great book. <laughs> Don't at me. It is heavy, but it is really, really, really good. It's one that, you know, you might have to like sit with for a bit, but it's such an excellent, timeless resource. It's on the resource table. We'll also have a link in the show notes if you want to pick up your own copy. Um, But yeah, we're so thankful for you guys. Thanks for tuning in and listening to the follow-up. Yeah. Thanks again for listening to the follow-up. 
You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever. To find out more about the church, you can follow us on social media or our website, quorumdeo.nc.com. 